It could be a big day for the fate of President Trump's temporary travel ban affecting seven mostly Muslim countries. Later today, a federal appeals court will hear arguments on the administration's bid to reinstate the ban, which was blocked last week by a trial judge in Seattle. The court is expected to rule real quickly in a matter of days or perhaps even hours. It's part of a growing legal fight that seems destined one way or another for the Supreme Court. With us to talk about the case and the broader issue of the president's power to restrict entry into the U.S. are two people with uh, very dif- different perspectives. David Rifkin is a former advisor to Presidents Reagan and the first President Bush, and Kari Hong, a professor at Boston College Law School. Welcome to you both. David, uh, let's, let's start with you. Um, the argument today could end up being about some technical issues, um, but, but I want to get into the big, more interesting questions. Um, so you've made the case that this order is legal. Tell us what is the core of the government's case that the president, ha- president has the authority to do this. Right. Let me just say, Bo, and I'll respond to the question very quickly, that to me the most foundational problem with this litigation is that the plaintiffs, the states bringing this case, have no standing to vindicate those claims, which means that federal courts have no jurisdiction, which means they should not reach the merits. And this is, by the way, not some pedantic uh, nitpick here, but the limitation of federal judicial power to cases and controversies is the most fundamental cabining of the power of, of judicial branch. Okay, as David, I'll, merits, uh, David, I'll try yeah. to circle back to that later. Go ahead and get to the okay. core of the as argument. To, as to the merits, look, this is very straightforward. Congress clearly delegated this authority to the president to exclude aliens or classes of aliens if he concludes in absolute discretion, entirely non-reviewable. Uh, they present threat to national security. A president has inherent constitutional authority, uh, enormous authority in foreign affairs. Both branches spoke in unison in this issue. Therefore, uh, under the seminal case of Youngstown Sheet and Tube, there, the president is at the, at the apex of his authority. Um, it is as simple as that. There's absolutely no basis to challenge it. And one last point, the notion that a district court can inquire into some subjective alleged intention of the president and call it a Muslim ban because of something he said during the campaign is risable. That kind of looking behind what the executive order says is utterly unprecedented. The final point is a factual matter. Numerous presidents, including President Obama, have suspended temporarily uh, entry of, of, of individuals from various countries. President Reagan did it uh, during the, you know, uh, for a large chunk of, of Cuban refugees to deal with, you know, the fact that Castro was dumping um, a lot of criminals on us with so-called Mariel boat lift. Uh, or Obama David, we're going to, from Iraq. we are going to now look at the other side, even though you say there is no other side. There's always another side in the law. Carrie, what do the states say? Well, I mean, the, the first question, the, the issue today is whether the stay will um, continue or not, which doesn't address any of these merits. Do you want me to talk about what the court will be citing today or, or, or respond to Well, I'd like you merits? to respond to, to, the, to the merit argument first, and then we'll get to the, to the technical parts. Yes, well, I think all those issues are very much more difficult than how they're presented. Starting with the standing issue, um, one court in Texas stopped President uh, Obama's executive authority to exercise his discretion in the immigration matter to to be uh, uh, to to 
stop deportation for um, a couple million individuals last year. And that was just based on the injury that the state of Texas was incurring by issuing driver's licenses. The injury that the state of Washington and um, the state of Hawaii um, have alleged is much, much more robust. They're talking about problems to their tax base. They're talking about businesses that will be harmed. Um, Hawaii talks about a problem with its tourist injury uh, or to the, the tourist industry. So the level of harm um, is much, much higher than what Texas um, showed last year um, in, in, in the DAPA litigation. So that standing is, is, is an important question that needs to be resolved. Um, as to what the president can or cannot do, um, the courts are clear that Congress has um, an enormous amount of discretion to set matters of immigration policy. The question that is before this court and the question that was before the court in DAPA is, well, what happens when the president is exercising authority that isn't necessarily expressly delegated um, to him um, by Congress to do? That is a very different question, which is much more complicated. And ultimately, when the case gets down to the merits, that's going to be a pretty thorny for, for the cases to deal with. David, we have a lot of issues on the table right now, but let's go back to that question of standing, the the right of states to to, uh, challenge this policy at all. What is your response to what Kari was saying about the the case uh, uh, during the Obama administration where a federal district court said that, yes, Texas and other states could challenge the president's power to say, I'm going to defer deportation for a whole class of people? Both, yes, both the district court and uh, in the in the DAPA case and the Fifth Circuit have pivoted as far as standing is concerned on a declaration which was not disputed by the state of Texas that they're going to incur, and I'll skip a number of reasons why, they would incur specific and substantial costs if DAPA was implemented, full stop. What we have here are generalized assertions, loss to, you know, a, a, a possible university admissions, loss of possible employment, loss of possible tourism. These are, you know, we lawyers use words like speculative, attenuated, generalized, utterly insufficient to support standing. Look, there's no question, there's Supreme Court case law on this point, but basically says that states, the case is called Massachusetts versus Mellon, the states cannot vindicate federal constitutional rights of their citizens. And by the way, the states, I mean, to me, whoever drafted this stuff should be ashamed. The states clearly on the existing case law don't have equal protection rights. Okay? Therefore, the only way in which you can get around it is a situation like in DAPA or in a case called Massachusetts versus EPA, where you can demonstrate that the state suffers specific damage like the loss of money, or in the case of, of EPA case, damage to the coastline that the state owned. Okay, You cannot make generalized assertions about, oh, well, it's not going to be good for us, because then not only are you destroying the entire standing doctrine, you basically enable states to challenge everything. Uh, at least as a standing matter. And, and again, this is a fundamental separation of powers, vertical as well as horizontal separation of powers issues. And I'm, I'm just, I'm amazed. Uh, I would be stunned. In fact, my prediction, this is how it would ultimately be resolved. The merits would not be reached if it doesn't happen at the Ninth Circuit level. It would surely happen on the Supreme Court level because of how clear the doctrine, again, of cases like Masters versus Mellon and, and, and Katzenbach is. We're talking about the appeals court hearing today affecting President Trump's temporary travel ban 
ban on seven Muslim-majority nations. Our guests are David Rifkin, a Washington lawyer who used to advise President Reagan and President George H.W. Bush, and Kari Hong, a professor at Boston College Law School. Kari, when we uh, started, you you mentioned that that some of these big constitutional questions may not uh, actually uh, be the focus of today's hearing. What do you think is the best argument for the states who are opposing the executive order? What is the best argument that this order um, uh, blocking the order should stay in place? Well, yes. Yeah, so the, the question before the court right now is not what is, is the constitutional, is the executive order legal or constitutional? That's not what they're addressing. Neither are they addressing if they had this case on their desk the first time, what would they do? Rather, they're going to be asked, did the district court make a wrong decision as a matter of law or fact? And that's a very different standard. That's going to be a standard for um, any losing party, in this case, the government, to overcome. And what... Um, what the standard is in the Ninth Circuit is that is there a serious legal issue, which everyone agrees there is? And the second question, is there a harm if, if, if there's a pause button um, and the state doesn't go into effect? And on that measure, um, the state of Washington has met its burden because not only has it claimed, um, contrary to David's assertion, like it has named the number of residents that it has that are impacted by the, by, by, um, by the ban. It has mentioned by number how many of those nationals are in its current state, how many are in its universities, how many are students, how many are um, professors, um, and um, how many businesses in particular are going to be impacted. There are 5,000 people alone at Microsoft who will be impacted by this order. So the showing of harm is made. The question, though, for the court is what happens when the government asserts that if the state does, um, um, the, uh, if, if, the, if the executive order is not allowed to continue, there will be a harm against um, the entire country as a national security matter. That is an extraordinary claim. That is not usually before the court, and I believe that is what the court is going to be struggling with. So, David, the court could also cut back that part of the order, could it not? Yeah, the uh, the fact that it's a nationwide injunction is particularly suspect. But let me just say briefly, I disagree fundamentally with, with my colleague. I understand there's a uh, let, let's forget about the fact that it's TRO. Ninth Circuit has a case law which says when a TRO essentially looks in in, in essence as a preliminary injunction, the PI you apply the PI standards. Point number one. Point number two. I'm fully aware, having litigated many times in Ninth Circuit, they have a somewhat idiosyncratic application of the four-part winter test, which is Supreme Court case dealing with with uh, uh, with injunctive relief. Having said all that, aside from the balance of harms, they do have to look uh, at the probability of success in the merits. I don't disagree with whether or not there's a serious legal question presented here versus the sort of a strict application of the window test, which is a substantial probability of success in the merits. In my opinion, in my opinion, the state of Washington's case is so frivolous, both as to standing in the merits that it would not pass muster under any articulation of the winter test. And I, I would like to point out, I don't understand the notion that the president is acting on his own. Congress gave, I wish I had time, expressly gave the president in Section 1182F of INA authority to ban the entry of any aliens or classes of aliens to suspend their entry if the president finds or impose any restrictions if he deem them to be appropriate. In that instance, the president is acting 100% in accordance with that 
authority. And by the way, let okay, me David, reiterate. David, I want to give Kari, I want to give Kari a chance to to, to respond. Kari, we got got about thirty seconds left. Uh, pick yes. whatever you want. <laughs> Last yes. word. Well, the, the, well, there there's the the the, the Cottrell case applies in the Ninth Circuit, which is the serious issues and and harm. That is what's going to be before um, the court. Um, and as to standing, um, um, David misstated to say that although he personally disagrees with it, it is a very open question before the court, which is why the the Fifth Circuit said a state's um, harm in Texas alone was enough, and that was affirmed 4-4 by the Supreme Court. So this is a very important issue, and if he disagrees with it, this is going to be with the courts for quite some time. Okay, there are a lot of issues here, June. We are going to be talking about this some more, I am sure. Tomorrow, Coming up, because the hearing's today, so tomorrow it will be all over. I'm guessing guessing that's the case. Okay, coming up on Bloomberg Law, there's a 12-year-old girl who wanted to play basketball with, her, with the boys' team at her school. Uh, the school said no, her family went to court, and then she got expelled. We'll talk about that coming up on Bloomberg Law. This is Bloomberg. <laughs> 